DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and it's time to welcome back Aaron Roderick to the show, BYU football offensive coordinator. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. What's going on? Well, I mean, PK and I are just going through the, the normal humdrum drudgery of our lives. You, on the other hand, private jets, red carpets, caviar, I assume. How was the NFL draft? Hey, private jets, the NFL put us on the worst flight itinerary you could ever imagine, okay? It was like, it was the trip, the trip home was like the, it it was just, yeah, it was a day of hell, pure hell. It was like they're punishing us after a good time. (laughs) Explain what was going on. They, I don't know, they just put us on a really tough flight itinerary. We flew, we flew on a packed plane from, from, uh, from the draft from Cleveland to Dallas and then Dallas to Salt Lake, both planes were packed. It was just, it was, uh, it was like each, every gate was as far as you could possibly walk at the far reach of the airport. It was just one of those days where we had a really good time. And then the trip home was like, man, is this worth it? Well, I want to know when Zach, uh, told you you were going, did he call you on your, on his Verizon phone while you listened to your, Bose headphones and ate food on your Traeger grill, and this guy's pipping more things. Well, not I was gonna say pipping more things than anybody I know, but that's not true. I know some other guys who pimp <laughs> a lot of stuff, but uh, <laughs> this guy is taking the capitalism right off the bat. How cool is that? Yeah, his I guess uh, I guess his agents have been pretty aggressive with that. He, he's he's clueless about it, all that. He's just like they're they're just doing it for him. That's what they do, you know. He's, he's, uh, it's funny, all the social media stuff, he's not doing any of that. I don't, I don't, it's all, it's all the, those people that he's hired to, to, uh, take care of it for him. So I'm curious, uh, with the Jets, are they going to have enough around him that we're going to get a fair evaluation of him as an NFL quarterback? Uh, Second-year GM, first-year head coach, there's no track record to go on. I know people want to look at the Jets and say, man, it's been a decade of futility. That's why they have a second-year GM and a first-year head coach. It has been a decade of futility. What kind of, what kind of shot is he going to have with the people around him? I don't know. That that's that that is the million dollar question, you know, um, cuz I I felt like a big reason why he played so well last year was how much better the play around him was. Um we we were executing much better last year than we had in years prior and it obviously it gave him a chance to look good. And I mean, he played great. But it's a lot easier to play well when you're running the ball and you got good receivers that never, you know, just everything we were third year in the offense, and so those things go hand in hand for a quarterback for sure. And um, it looked to me like they did a good job in the draft. I, you know, I just have happened to see that that offensive lineman from USC. I've seen him play a lot. We played against them. Just knew of him from having a lot of close proximity to the Pac-12 and a lot of players in that league. And I think he's going to be a really good pro. That receiver they took from Ole Miss is really good. Love that guy. I've watched him a lot. Um, we've, we've watched a lot of Ole Miss film the last couple of years, or last year, uh, last couple of months, I should say. Um, they're good. That, that guy's really good. So, and then they finished the season strong last year. I think there's still some, there's a solid core there. I think the core is a little better than maybe, maybe you think. Um, 
And then, the, you know, the new staff, you just hope they can get some momentum and put a good team around him. I know there'll, there'll still be some pieces moving in here and there, but it's it's hard to look good if you don't have a good team around you, and um, that is a tough place. It's, this is a this is a tough tough assignment for sure. I'm, we're all really excited for him, but I'm very realistic about the fact that he's up against the really really tough circumstances. So, what we could tell is that three coaches, the Satakis and you from BYU, Coach Care from Corner Canyon, and then John Beck, I think was there, and pretty much I think. Zach's entire family was there, as far as I could tell. Uh, was that normal? Were you able to figure out? Did did everybody have that many guys representing them with them? And how cool was it that he invited all these people uh, who weren't family who helped him along the way? Yeah, it was really cool. We um, we went to dinner the night night before, and uh, just you know, I think all of us felt just kind of honored to be a part of it. I think um, I was looking around the table while we were eating dinner and just felt like, you know, first of all, I'm really fortunate to coach a player like Zach. Um, you know, he, he definitely made me look good. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there at that table and looking, you know, his dad did a great job just being a good parent. And his dad uh, gave him a lot of – coached him when he was a kid and gave him a lot of opportunities to be a good player. And then he, he played for an awesome high school coach. Um, obviously, Kalani, uh, the chance to play for Kalani, I think, was a big part of Zach's success because Kalani wanted to be great on offense and gave us the, uh, gave us the green light to be super aggressive. And then, and then obviously, I've, uh, I really like John Beck a lot. We have a good relationship, and it was just fun. And Bessie got our receivers playing so well this year. Anyway, it was just fun to be sitting there and thinking how everybody at this table had a small piece in in this, and it was just sort of felt like one of those things where it's like a real privilege to be a part of it and be associated with a player like Zach, who was so great and and yet as good as he is, he he wanted he wanted a little piece of what everybody at that table had to give him. He just he's he's always hungry for more. He wants to learn. He wants to get better. He wants criticism and. Um, it was it was just a good time. It was a good feeling. So it's always interesting when guys go off to the NFL. Obviously, they're really busy, and they've got things to worry about with their career and their team and how things are going. But you do want those guys to stay available to you know help the old alma mater recruit and all that kind of stuff. How does that work? How do you ride that fine line so uh, whatever impact they have on recruiting, they can have it, but you don't bug them and wreck the relationship in the long term too? Um, yeah, there's really not a whole lot that needs to be done directly or can be done, really. It's it's more just the, the fact that, you know, when you have players drafted and you have success, it just tends to breed a little bit more of the same. More players are attracted to that and want to come. And uh, the Utes have been doing it for a long time. They've had a good run of, of draft picks, and then, it just kind of continues, and that's we want to build on that momentum and keep it going. But you don't actually need um, you don't actually need much more than you don't need a whole lot of involvement from those guys. You just it's it's more just the momentum and the and the notoriety that comes with it that uh, you know that, that hopefully keeps fueling more of it. I think you know in our case we're always going to sort of get who we get in recruiting in some ways. It's never going to change 
uh, entirely, but it definitely does send a great message to a lot of the you know good players that fit our um, fit our school and fit our program. That hey, you can be a first round draft pick or or a third round draft pick or a sixth round draft pick. You can get drafted and playing here. You don't have to go to you don't have to go to LSU or Clemson or something like that to to be a high draft pick. So one of the things we were discussing is the five guys drafted and seven free agent signings. How much does it validate the 11 and one season? Because it was somewhat controversial because the schedule didn't include any of these power fives and all that. We've been over that a million times. So how much do you think this recent draft with the signings and drafts validates how good the team was last year? Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of give, I've kind of like, uh, you know, I'm just over trying to validate. <laughs> with it's hard to go 11 and one. It's I don't care who you play. It's hard. Uh, you look at all the years that all the years that this market, this the fans in this market were watching WAC or or Mountain West football, right? That that went on for a long, long time. How many eleven and one teams were there in that his, in all those years? There there weren't very many, and and uh, so um, for eleven and one or better, you know, not not very many times. And so anyway, I'm I'm kind of done doing that. But I do. I was really happy for all those guys that got drafted, and and I think that uh, several of the free agents are going to have a great chance to make it. Uh, Matt Bushman, in general, or in specific, I think uh, Bushman had a really devastating injury last year and wasn't able to play. And I think that that injury is such a you know it's, it's an Achilles injury that's more serious than like an ACL or something. And I think that. Um, you know, people are a little hesitant on him, but he's going to the Raiders. And I don't know if you guys know, but John Gruden, Coach Chad Lewis, he was his tight ends coach. He was actually his position coach with the Eagles. Uh, John Gruden also loved Doug Jolly, who had a great career with the Raiders. Um, I, I know that Gruden sort of has a soft spot for BYU tight ends. And um, I, I think Bushman's going to get a great opportunity there to make that team. And there's no doubt in my mind he's good enough. It's, it's, I don't know where his health is right now. I haven't seen him. I, he did pro day. He did most of the things on pro day and looked good to me. Um, but he's a guy that I think will make it in that league if um, you know if, if things go well for him. I, he's got a great chance. Would, wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays a long time. So do you see more NFL talent on the BYU roster and a chance to back it up? I mean, no one can predict five draft picks. It's uh, it's a fine line between being a seventh-rounder and being an undrafted free agent. So not to hold you to a specific number, but do you in general see the depth of potential pros on the roster still? Yeah, we've, we've got a lot of good players. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, that, that's the fun thing about this is, you know, the me- the, the message to – our team and specifically that I've been talking to our offense about is, okay, we lost all these good players. Now everybody thinks we're going to suck. And uh, so, you know, that's the challenge to our current players is, you know, what are they going to do? What are they going to do about it? And are we going to show up and play or are we going to go back to being seven and six again? And, and that's, that's a fun, that's why you play, man. That's, that's the, that's the competitive nature of this. But um, I like the, raw material that we have to work with right now we've got we've got more offensive linemen that i think are are are, uh gonna just pick up where we left off and we've got some good skill players and 
I like the pool of quarterbacks, and, and you know, we're going to be good on defense again. It's just a little bit different team, but um, still a lot of good players returning. Our running backs both back. So there's there's some good players there that, you know, if, if they go out and do it on the field, then that's where the NFL opportunities come from. You know, the, the last team that had five draft picks went 12-2. and two. That was the, two, the 2001 team was 12-2. and two. And it's no no surprise that the following spring in that draft, five guys get drafted and several more went as free agents. And several of those guys had, had really good pro careers. Um, Doug Jolly was one of them that I just mentioned. You know, there was there were a couple other guys on that on that team that had had good pro careers. And um, so the opportunities usually come from winning a lot of games. And that's that's what I want our team focused on right now is win games and then then the cream will rise to the top, and that's how guys get chances at the next level. Is there a depth chart at quarterback? Um, not exactly, no. I, I, it's still open. Um, the Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, Jacob Conover, we're going to battle. Those three guys are going to battle in fall camp. Um, Sol J is in the mix, uh, you know, I haven't completely eliminated him yet, but he's just a just a notch behind those other three guys right now. Um, still think he has a lot of promise in the future. He's a very dynamic athlete. He's just, um, but we're going to go into fall camp with those three guys initially, and then we'll we'll work we'll work pretty quickly to narrow that down. I, I have a pretty good idea how I'm going to how I'm going to create the competition. I, I've got a good plan for that. I've already communicated clearly with our defense and with Kalani about um, how we're going to get that done and mostly just involves playing a little bit more 11-on-11 football than you usually would in the early parts of camp. But I think I think our, with our system being as well-established offensively and defensively, I think we can get to that pretty quickly. So obviously the O line is taking a hit here with the draft and the uh, the undrafted free agents and all that. There was clearly a lot of talent there. Do you feel like you not only have the high end talent but the the depth to handle what you're about to face? Yeah, you know, depth is always a is always the biggest question for us. At least it has been in this uh, independence you know era playing P five teams. We we usually can field. Uh, a starting 11 on each side of the ball that can play with, you know, with any of the teams on our schedule. And then, you know, the story of a couple of the years where we, you know, didn't finish like we wanted to was we get a little banged up and sometimes the backup guys aren't quite, quite there yet. I think this team is, is deep. Um, you know, you mentioned offensive line, the, you know, we're going to be starting some guys this year that played a ton last year, whether they were listed as starters or not, we were, we went 10 deep last year, and we had so many big wins that those guys got to play a lot. And some of them played a lot anyway. Uh, you know, Blake Blake Freeland, for example, he started games for the last two years for us, and he's going to take over at left tackle for Brady. Um, he's six foot nine, and has started. He's a super athlete. He was state champ in the shot put and was a good basketball player. Um, He's going to play left tackle, and he's played a lot of games for us the last year, so I don't really even view him as a new guy, even though he's taken over for a third-round draft pick. And and uh, Harris LaChance is going to start at right tackle for us, and 
same thing. He's played a lot of football the last couple of years, and he's six foot eight and also super athletic. Um, I, I expect a lot from both of those guys, and technically they weren't starters last year. So um, they started on and off over the last two years, but they weren't every game guys like Brady and and uh, Chandon Herring, you know. But and then Joe Tukuafu is another one. I mean, he started about five games last year. He, I, I I expect him to find a way to be a starter this year. And um, if he's not, it's because it's because Connor Pay beat him out. And Connor Pay is another one who wasn't considered a starter last year, but played played in a lot of games and has a really bright future as well. So I'm uh, really confident about the offensive line, even though even though we just lost three guys in the NFL. I think I expect there to be no drop off. And um, you know, with our running backs as good as they are, I think we should be able to pick right up where we left off, at least in that in that part of our offense, we should be solid. How does it work with the Nakua brothers? I don't know that they're f- enrolled in school. What are you allowed to do as far as interaction with them? Yeah, they can start. They So they're, they're starting up with us here shortly. Um, some with this spring semester coming up, they can start, and they can start working out with our team. So okay. they will be getting going here real short, real soon. So when you look at the schedule, I'm curious how much you can really figure out about these teams between players who may have opted out, between freshmen who uh, didn't really get a chance to shine, who will now be sophomores making an impact. You always have newcomers who can make an impact with the transfer portal. As far as opponents, are you flying blind more than ever? A little bit, especially with Arizona, our first opponent. um, They had a coaching change. And my understanding, so first of all, with the coaching change, we're watching Michigan film because the defensive coordinator came from Michigan. So we're, we're learning the scheme by watching Michigan film. We're trying to learn the personnel by watching Arizona film. But, you know, as you watch the film, it's like, well, that guy's not there anymore. That guy's not there anymore. This guy transferred. So it's kind of hard. You're trying to sort out who's actually still playing on there for them, who's not. And then... Uh, they've gotten a number of transfers in. They got a DB from Notre Dame. They got another one, I can't remember from where, uh, that we were just talking about the other day. So then you're trying to figure out, okay, who's this guy and where is he likely to play in this scheme, in this Michigan scheme? It's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of a guessing game a little bit, and I think our, our uh, defense is kind of in the same boat because uh, the head coach was in the NFL last year. He's, he's been in college football, and he was at UCLA not that long ago, but a little bit of a guessing game what they're going to do so yeah there's there's a lot to it there um and there's more turnover than ever before in college football and it's uh it's time to just stop complaining about it and just embrace it and deal with it because it's how it is and so you can't have any excuses for it and can't say oh we don't know what's going to happen or who we're going to have or who they're going to have you just got to get ready to play and um so we're mostly focused on ourselves and just making sure we're squared away and we know what we're doing. And then we'll do the best we can to be ready for, for Arizona. But the answer, that was a long, long answer. But, yeah, it's, it's an issue. As I understand it, uh, recruiting gets back to normal in June. Is everybody going to have a ton of guys on campus? Is that how it's going to work? I think so, yeah. It seems like it. You know, we're still not able to go back out on the road, so – Normally, the month of May would just be constant travel for college coaches. You'd be out the whole month pretty much. 
um, just getting all around the country trying to see your prospects, uh, evaluate them. And then, but they're, they're still not allowing that, but what they are allowing in June, they're allowing guys to visit your campus. And so with, uh, you know, shoot a whole year of nothing, I think pretty much every, every school is going to have guys visiting almost every day in June. It's going to be, it's going to be a busy month for sure, but we're really looking forward to it. I, I think every college coach is looking forward to that because, um, recruiting can become a grind and it's, it's, um, you know, some in some ways it's my least favorite part of the job, but in other ways I, you know, I really enjoy, I enjoy the process of trying to project what a young guy is going to be in several years. And um, sometimes you get it wrong, sometimes you get it right, but I, I like that going through that process. And um, I really felt for the kid, the high school guys in these last couple classes who didn't get the chance to get recruited the normal way. I think there's a lot of good players that are getting overlooked or – uh, maybe not ending up uh, at the level that they belong, and so um, I, I just I'm happy for the these younger classes that are coming up now. Hopefully, we can get back to normal for them, and they can have more opportunities. Well, hey, Rod, we appreciate a little bit of time, and uh, I can tell you because I had family in Cleveland for a while. Not anymore. There's no easy way to fly in and out of Cleveland. There's no directs. We get spoiled in Salt Lake. We get directs everywhere. It just doesn't happen. I learned that the hard way. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. Dallas, that's rough though. That's way out of the way. Usually, you just get to fly to Detroit or something. Cincinnati, yeah. maybe. We went through. We went through Chicago on the way there, and Dallas on the way home. That was a treat. <laughs> but all worth it though. We had a great time. It was fun. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it, and uh, look forward to talking to you as we get closer to the season. Yeah, guys, go Jazz. See ya. <laughs> Aaron Roderick, BYU football offensive coordinator. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.